All right, let's look at John chapter 4 again. We're going to continue looking at Jesus talking to this woman at a, a well as he shares with her about salvation and see the next thing that happens that can help us be prepared when we're talking to people. And we need to try to do this, and that takes some preparation and some uh, a plan of how we're going to do this. And we get that direction from Jesus. So what he did is he talked to uh, Nicodemus in John 3 and, John, and then the woman at the well in John 4. We find much guidance here of how to do this. Uh, let's uh, pick it up at uh, verse, four, verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. What we, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. So uh, here Jesus has used this great symbolism of water. We talked last time about how water is such a wonderful creation of God. It's such an essential thing in life. We have to have water to live physically. And that's a picture as Jesus then took that and said, you're going to drink of this well and satisfy your thirst physically, but I can give you living water. And you should ask me and I'll give you living water and it'll give you everlasting life. And that's just a wonderful picture. And we can use that in talking to people. Living water is, refers to salvation that allows us to live forever. And it refers to water is, it fits there that um, water cleanses away dirt, impurity, uncleanness. And it's a picture how the blood of Jesus washes away our sins. That's the living water Jesus is talking about. And a person receives that by receiving Christ, receive, repenting of their sin and believing on Jesus to save them from their sin. And so we can talk to them about living water. And we talked about how um, the subject of water can come up a lot. Water is very appealing. Everybody is fascinated by rivers and lakes and everybody wants to go visit and go vacation around the lakes and oceans. And uh, it has great appeal. And we can talk about, ask a person, have you ever had living water? And that can start the conversation as you talk about, you talk about water, talk about God and ask them, have you ever had living water? And then you could get explained about salvation. And notice when Jesus does this, she doesn't understand fully yet that he's talking about salvation. And so he, she says, give me this water so I won't have to keep coming to this well. 
And so he knows he has to turn it to the issue of her being cleansed from her sin. So he, he brings that up by saying, go call your husband. Because Jesus knows her situation. That that's a part of her sin, of breaking God's laws about marriage and adultery. And so she then says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, yeah, you, you spoke truly. You've had five husbands. And he then exposes her sin. Notice what happens at that point. Then in verse 19, instead of responding to what he says about her sin, she does the typical human reaction. She changes the subject. She doesn't own up to her situation and deal with her sin. She changes the subject to about the debate over the place of worship. That was a debate between the Jews and the Samaritans. It was one of the debates. As the Samaritans were, a, they followed a combination of pagan religion plus Judaism. And so they established a place of worship on the mountain of Samaria, not Jerusalem. And that was a part of their difference. And so she brings that up to try to change the subject. And I'm sure she thought, hey, I'll just change it to that. And he'll really go after that. He will argue that. And I can get him off this talking about my personal life. So she changes the subject. And that is what people will typically do. When you get into talking about being saved from sins and a person's sin, as I, we talked about this before, you say, well, how can I do this? I don't know people's secrets. I can't bring this up like Jesus did. No, we don't. Jesus is the only one who could do that. But we do have the Ten Commandments. And we can just start talking about the Ten Commandments and asking people, have you ever told a lie? Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? Have you ever been so mad at somebody you wanted to hit them? Jesus said, that's murder in your heart. So you just go, go down to the commandments and you can then bring out people's sin using the Ten Commandments. That's how we do it. Jesus did that on other occasions with the rich and ruler, for instance. So when we start talking about people's sin, the issue of sinfulness, a lot of time, if you're talking to somebody, they will do this. They will try to change the subject. They will bring up something else. They'll try to make you chase a, a rabbit, so to speak, down a another road of asking some question. You know, like one, one very common one is, well, here's something that, that, that I've always thought, what about the, the tribe of people over in Papua New Guinea who've never heard about Jesus? How, how, what about them? What's God going to do with them? And they try to change the subject off to something that's unrelated to what talking about them. And... How do you deal with that? You deal with exactly what Jesus does here. Notice what he does. He addresses her question quickly. And then he gets back to the subject of salvation. He says in verse 21, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you were neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. He said that debate's going to really be become irrelevant because worship is going to be everywhere. And then in verse 22, he says, You worship what you do not know. So he does address that the Samaritans are in error. And he says, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. So there he brings back up salvation. He gets back onto the main subject. And then he gives a statement about, he keeps going back to the word 
truth and true. He says the hour is coming, verse 23, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So coming back to the element of truth is coming back to the element of sin, the issue of sin. And that that's what, that's the starting point of dealing with any question about worship. You have to have salvation first in order to worship God in truth, in spirit and truth. And so he, answers, he addresses her question, her, her change in the subject, but he then redirects it back to the issue of salvation from sin. And that's what we have to do also. Like, for instance, that question, well, what about somebody in Africa who's never hurt? And you can just quickly say, well... The Bible does say that all people are accountable and that in Romans it says that all have the witness of His creation and if there's someone that seeks God, God will send someone to them to tell them the message. And God is going to take care of that. God will save anyone who's willing to be saved. And so you address it quickly and then you say, but the person in Africa thousands of miles away is really not the issue of you and God. Because when you die, you're going to stand before God and it's going to be between you and God, not some person in Africa or Papua New Guinea. That's irrelevant. What about you? Have your sins been forgiven? And if they haven't been cleansed, you're going to come under the wrath of God on the day of judgment. So you just address their question and you bring it back to them and their sin. That's what Jesus did here. And that's what we can do. Salvation is about dealing with sin. It is not about worship. That comes later. It's not about other religious things. Those things come after salvation. The issue of salvation is singularly the issue of our sin against God and our sins being cleansed with living water, the blood of Jesus, being washed away. That's what salvation is about. So we have to deal with that. You say, well, some people won't like talking about their sin. And you try to just be gracious and uh, kind and loving. And you say, I, well, I know this is not you know, great to talk about, but we all have to deal with it. Just like a person that receives the news they've got cancer. It's not pleasant to talk about. The doctor doesn't joy in talking about it, but he has to because there's a need. And so... It's not a pleasant thing to talk about our sin, but we've got to deal with it because it's our sickness, our spiritual sickness we've got to deal with and we can be cleansed and it only comes through Jesus. And so we've got to think about ways we can, we can talk to people about the issue of their sin and that Jesus is the way to be cleansed from their sin. He's the only way to be cleansed. She then, God's going to save her. She's going to get saved here in the next few minutes. And, and so she she comes and responds to him and says, she, she brings up another issue, but it, it, goes, it goes into the issue of salvation. She says, well, I know Messiah is coming. And uh, that led right into it, of Jesus saying, well, I'm him. I'm here to save you. She leads at that point, and she understands it now that uh, Jesus is here to save her from her sin of her life of immorality. And she goes and, and says, gets the people from the town and brings them out to him. And they 
listen to Jesus talk about how to be saved, and they believe on Him at that time. They all got to that point because Jesus went to this woman and said, give me a drink, and began to talk about water, and then began to talk about living water. And we can do the same thing, and that's what we must do. We must, in engaging with people, we must have a conversation about some element of life that we can talk about, whether it's we talked about the weather, and then here, water. We talk about things, and then we bring up God in the conversation, and then we ask a question about, to get in to talk about salvation. And the question here is, have you ever had living water? And that's going to do the same thing that it did to this woman. It's going to pique their interest. The person you're talking to, they're going, what are you talking about? Living water. You say, yeah, living water. Uh, I would suggest you could even just do what Jesus did here and said, yeah, living water, if you drink that, you'll live forever. And that probably really get their attention. A lot of people will respond and say, well, what are you talking about? Well, how does that work? And then you're ready to explain to them about Jesus. Well, it's, 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 it's referring to Jesus, that He died on the cross, shed His blood, and when we receive, we put faith on that as a payment for our sin God gave for us, it washes away our sin just like water. And it makes us clean before Him, and then we can live with Him forever. And that's how you have everlasting life. And it's the only way. We have to deal with our sins. And then you can say, you know, you think you're a pretty good person, good enough to get into heaven on your own? They say, well, maybe I think I'm pretty good. Well, do you know the Ten Commandments? And have you thought about how you compare to the Ten Commandments in your life? Well, I think I'm pretty good. Well, have you always put God number one in your life every minute? Well, no, I haven't done that. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Well, yeah, I do that a lot. Do you worship God on His day? No, I don't go to church. Have you ever told a lie? And you just go down the list. And you use God's Word. And the Holy Spirit will take that and open their heart. If, if God's in this and they're willing and that they're going to be saved, their hearts will open and say, yeah, I see, I am a sinner. I can't get to heaven on my own. I can't live with God. He's holy and I'm not. And I've got to be cleansed. I've got to be forgiven. And that's how we can share in the same way. We, need to, we can follow the, the pattern of what Jesus to hear. And this is a great thing to use, living water. I, I've just, uh, I've enjoyed studying this because I've not seen that. Uh, I, I thought, well, Jesus said that and it's not something we can really talk about, but it is. It's something we can talk about too. Water is so uh, much of a basic of life that it's easy to talk about and a lot of people are very uh, drawn to water. It's like uh, everybody wants to go to the ocean. Everybody wants to go down there and vacation and live there. you got beachfront property. It's very valuable. And you can even talk about stuff like that. And say, why do, you, why do you think people like to go to the water so much? And uh, you know, oh, it's just neat to look at. Yeah. You know who made that? God did. But the, most, the best thing he's made is living water. Have you ever had living water? So just with a little thought, a little preparation, we can have that same conversation with people and God can use that. And then, uh, with this uh, help, to be ready. When somebody tries to change the subject, you can deal with it like Jesus did here and address what they say, but then direct it back, redirect it back to the main issue of salvation from sin.
So we have talked about topics we could talk about is bring up God and talk about the wonders of Jesus. Staying with the W words to help us remember it. The wonders of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, like Nicodemus, uh, what drew him. We can talk about that, talk about the weather, and then relate it to God. And then this, water. And these are things we can talk about to people to transition into talking about salvation like Jesus did. Turn with me over to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and see how this same imagery is used. It really is a common thing throughout the Bible. I found that uh, originally it came from, uh, it's in uh, Jeremiah the prophet. Prophet Jeremiah wrote it, Moses wrote about it, about the water coming out of the rock. And the Bible ends with this, Revelation chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to them, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And there's the symbolism that the blood of Jesus washes away our sins. His blood washes away our sins and makes us white. And these saints, it's, it's uh, look at, he, John gets a glimpse of the future at the end of a great multitude of people who are worshiping God. And they're dressed in white robes, clean, clean robes. And that's a picture of their sins being, that are cleansed. They've been cleaned up. It's like they had a holy shower. They were washed away of all of their, their uh, dirty sins. And this is proclaimed. They are white because they've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And then look at the uh, last chapter of the book, chapter 22. Chapter 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. And so this is a very common uh, symbol of salvation and how salvation is talked about in the Bible. And we can talk to other people with this terminology. And God can use that to talk about living water, the water of life, the water that gives eternal life. And that water is the blood of Jesus shed for our sins. And somebody receives it, a person receives it by faith. Now, they don't do anything to, to, to get it. God doesn't give salvation as a payment. That, oh, you do this, and then I'll, I'll give you salvation. We simply receive it as a free gift. And we must be turning from sin in our heart to say, I want to, I want to be cleansed. I want to turn from sin. I don't want to keep going in sin. I want to be forgiven. I want to be changed. You come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I receive you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. You died. I believe you died on the cross to pay and paid all my sins. And I receive it. Please save me. And the person that prays that in faith from their heart, Jesus washes away all their sins and gives them the gift of eternal life. And they have the promise that they're going to live with Jesus forever in perfection. And that's what salvation is. And it is the one great thing that we all need. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for, this, for these words to use in talking to people and this great symbolism of water, the living water. And help us to remember this and to share it with people just as you did, Lord Jesus, and, and we can do the same thing. And I pray you'd help us to do that. I pray that you would give us uh, opportunities this week to ask 
people of these things and bring this up. Uh, lay people on our heart, Lord, that, uh, that we need to talk with, that we encounter on a regular basis, and help us to speak to them like you spoke to this woman and changed her life forever. May you help us to do this uh, also. Out of love for people, that people need to be saved. They need to be saved from your wrath that's just against their sin, against hell, living in hell forever, suffering in hell forever, and uh, help us, Lord, to have compassion on people enough to speak to them, to give them an opportunity to be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.